0: You have accessed entry 1182.JB2419, certificate number 17398. Snow Valley, Oklahoma. Being a farm boy, you don't cut the fence, you cut the cloth that gets the people out of the fence if you have to. That's right, yeah. Yeah. Their jacket's replaceable. That fence is important to keep the cattle in.
1: (laughs) Now, as a musician, John Roderick. Don't
0: no, 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 no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Woke up this morning. I was a musician. You've heard the word payola, I assume. Uh,
0: sure. Sure. Payola is a big part of the music industry then and now.
1: Is it still? That's what I was gonna ask.
0: Oh well, I mean it depends on how uh how you calculate what payment is. Well,
1: just just to explain to viewers, there was an early a scandal early in the rock era of uh, record labels and unscrupulous manager types paying off radio stations and DJs to play certain music. That's right. Which was important because airplay would not only... Det- it determined chart rankings, it goosed sales. And back then, individual DJs could dictate playlists. And why wouldn't they play the platter that came with a... Little bit of a, a, a handy... Uh, a, few, <laughs> a few Or a few hundred bucks, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, And uh, it it became a scandal, right? Right. Such that the FCC cracked down and maybe even new regulations and legislation was passed to say that, no, that you cannot – it's a form of bribery, essentially. Right. But you can't keep
0: Paola out of the entertainment business. How could you? Like, just thinking how that law would be written, it just seems impossible. Like, the the records that get what are called end caps in record stores, which is to say that they get a little display at the end of the – at the end of the row. Right. You know, that is a thing that record labels. Happens in supermarkets Pay too. for supermarkets. And, and, and you
1: expect that Nabisco paid to put the Triscuits right there. Right. And you, you, you don't think the store is, is just recommending Triscuits because they're,
0: because of their whole weedy goodness. Well, independent record stores, you know, I think that people kind of do suspect that a lot of that stuff is. Uh, yeah.
1: There's something different when it's an, art and not a cracker.
0: Yeah. The employee pick or whatever. Curation. But in today's world where people don't really buy records in record stores, but they get them online, there are all kinds of ways to, uh, to, to play with the algorithms that put things on the charts. And we see it in book publishing too, where a company will, um, you know, Donald Trump's right, father a, will buy 100,000 copies of Donald Trump Jr.'s book. Uh, yeah, or a think tank, right?
1: Yeah, the, I think the New York Times even has a symbol now to tell you which items in the bestseller list have been goosed by, by bulk. Oh, buys. is that right? so it's like a little dagger symbol that appears next to um, liberal tears, colon, the snowflakes I melted with my lasers by you know, Charlie Kirk or something. Right. And then it'll be dagger, like a hundred thousand
0: copies. Charlie were, Kirk's dad bought, <laughs> were bought by the Koch <laughs> foundation. Right. Um, and, and I think, uh, like w- one, way that, uh, that, that works now is that, um, that, a, a band will put their album on Amazon for 99 cents for the first day, uh, or first couple of days, which, gooses sales right they sell a hundred thousand copies of their record at 99 cents but the but the music business only records that as a hundred thousand copies so suddenly the record is in in the top 10 um and they didn't you know it was a lost leader they 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 lost money on it but they got into the charts and the, then and with all the visibility and, and that the presumption implies. is then that that will that that will drive sales. Further sales.
1: Wasn't there some gimmick? Uh, I don't know if this is still allowed, but in the past decade of artists, or I guess labels, giving out a copy of the work with a concert ticket or something. So, and so, then that counts as a sale. So Prince.
0: Yeah, that's uh, right. Yeah, uh, like, like, pioneered that idea. Uh, when I went to see him here at the Key Arena back in the uh, 2000s, every person that walked in the door got a copy of his new record and he counted all of those. <sighs> for his soundscan right his record sales and prince of course is selling 15,000 20,000 tickets in every market in the country on on a national tour and so he was posting these incredible sales and i think eventually soundscan s- have to sounds change scan their rules said no you can't do that and it, he just he baked the the album price into the ticket price, so you they were legitimate
1: sure full price
0: sales. I mean, you know, if you were going to pay seventy dollars for a ticket anyway, and now it costs eighty dollars, uh, it it was a, it was pretty genius and pretty obviously like Prince level innovation, but SoundScan felt like everybody's going to do that. And then it it negates our completely imaginary (laughs) set of rules.
1: Bookstores now do that as well. They got tired of people coming to the the author event and then just on the way out the door, buying the book on Amazon. Right. So now your ticket to the event is the comes with the 1799 cover price of the book or whatever. Right. Um, Did you, have you ever in any way large or small practiced payola? Are you now, or have you ever been like it, you know, did you ever buy a, bacon and eggs for a DJ to play a record back in the day or no,
0: but you know, there's so much, um, there's so much in kind work that you do when you're a band, which so sexual favors. Yeah. A lot of that. And, (laughs) and you know, you drive out of your way to appear on somebody's internet radio show. You, you spend an hour, your precious hour of your time making content for, uh, some influential DJ somewhere. And it's not, it's not money, but it but it's not money unless you think that your time is worth anything. But, <laughs> unless you're under the <laughs>
1: under the illusion that your time is worth something. But all
0: of that is it's under the the heading of promotion, and that's what that payola looks like to most people too. It's like, no, we're promoting the record and we're promoting it by throwing a party and breaking. Yeah, <laughs> that's right, and giving you I mean, I, I appeared in uh, I, I did a tour one time of New York City advertising agencies where my (laughs) label. That's who
1: buys your records. Yeah.
0: My label and my publicist walked me around Manhattan and I went and played three songs in five different big advertising agencies where, you know, I would say like, well, this next song, which was about a terrible relationship I had that resulted in a, an ectopic pregnancy and, Death to all comers! It uh, would be a great theme song for your new Eminem campaign. <laughs> Here it is.
1: Oh, I see. That's what's happening. You're auditioning for yeah, because those guys are now the tastemakers, the ones who could That's put right. you in a in a Volvo commercial.
0: That's right. And my uh, my label and publicist paid for a lobster roll lunch for the, to keep all these ad executives. There in the, the employee lunch room while I was playing. You
1: can't just ply them with liquor like on Mad Men. Well, and the thing is, they want they're, lobster rolls they're
0: <laughs> all super rich. And those lobster rolls came right out of my uh, royalties. <laughs> but I do have to say that, you know, it wasn't a couple of ad agencies used Long Winter songs and it ended up paying off uh, all those lobster. rolls. And you
1: rolls think it was. I mean, I'm sure the songs are great, but I, sure, I assume you were also very charming at the party.
0: Charming at the party, and you know, uh, there are an awful lot of songs that these people can choose from. So if you put yourself in front of them, I cannot point to any one of those ads that came as a direct result of having done that stuff. But the general the general idea that you need to... You got to network. People will talk. And- not just network, but like provide lobster rolls to Manhattanites in order to get them to listen to your songs, in order to get them to consider... Using your song on a on a Fiat ad. I don't know if you're the real victim here, John. Consider the lobster. No, well, <sighs> the lobster gave us all. I'm not the victim. We're uh, sitting in a bunker that was paid for by a Fiat ad. <laughs> by one ad? Was it
1: actually Fiat? I can't remember. Uh...
0: There was a there were there were a lot of ads. Fiat was one. The best one was a Miller beer ad that that uh, they paid me the money and then never ran the ad. Oh, that's even better. They were like, oh, "We're changing direction," but we signed the contract.
1: Already, I was so. once paid an insane amount of money to be in a Domino's pizza ad in which. I, I pressed a, butt, a buzzer on the wall of a room and a pizza was delivered. It was like one of those smart, smart home things. Uh, did you avoid the Noid uh, by yeah. doing that? <laughs> I was 100% successful in avoiding the Noid. But also the ad never – I may have told this in the Noid uh, entry. The ad never aired because they couldn't get the buzzer to work. So, what? so they ran some version of the campaign that did not have me and my button – and yet, the check was the same. <laughs> How
0: hard is it to get the buzzer? You just you, you put a buzzer sound in after the fact in post, right? No,
1: they wanted it to be a, a commercial product that they could kind of uh, prototype. Oh. They, oh, it was a real thing. Yeah, they wanted people to have a little smart home button that when they pressed it would order their would place their their familiar Domino's order. Who, who, who is ordering that much cardboard who would, pizza? <laughs> who would want that?
0: <laughs> What's that? Oh, that's our domino. There's button. a I think
1: there's a kind of smart uh, I don't know if this is still contemporary, but a few years ago this there was an idea that the smart homes of the future would have like in your laundry room you just have a thing that you tap and that's that tells Amazon to send you more more detergent.
0: You'd have a control board like the like the uh, like the the bridge of an old spaceship that had <laughs> 10,000 little flashing lights and this was like laundry detergent pizza it would just
1: be distributed instead of getting on your your device and saying okay i need detergent i need pizza i need flour Right. like by your flour bin you'd tap the thing that that makes flour appear oh, and that's... in the laundry room you'd tap the thing that makes the detergent what appear. a great idea and they're and banking they're... <laughs> on the laziness of the
0: american consumer that doesn't want to walk downstairs they were all uh, they were all like buttons as big as the game sorry <laughs>
1: <laughs> in the domino's ad it was a comically large button right. but i think they um, i think they just missed the fact that we because you have a phone, a smartphone, right? You essentially have that button
0: right. at all times, or your your ring camera that uh, that somebody's hacked into and is and is whispering to you in the night. You need more paper towel, or just you know they've hacked into your deodorant button and now
1: <laughs> thousands of pounds of deodorant show up or deodorant detergent. Uh, but you know, pale in the in the music industry is a live concern as recently as the early two thousands. There was a settlement uh, where uh, Sony had to pay ten million dollars because they were making backdoor deals with large commercial radio change, including, I assume, our old corporate <laughs> omnibuses previous corporate umbrella.
0: Right, iHeartMedia, Media, <laughs> formerly known as Clear Channel,
1: The very successful rebranding.
0: I have to, uh, I have to believe that a lot of this is money going from money in one pile. Being used to create money in another pile. And the two piles are... Does that not affect the artist? No. Well, within the, within the Sony uh, accounting universe, uh, which is my favorite of all the superhero uh, universes, <laughs> the Sony accounting universe... Love the SAU. Like, they can spend a million dollars to earn $10,000 because of just, tax write yeah, just the way they have it conceived. That's great.
1: That's what's great about business. Uh, so we, but you know, the omnibus being a purely academic project, That's we have right. only admitted entries on their own merits. We have never allowed Paola to color uh, the coverage we give to a certain cultural trend. We talked about the Noid for an hour, but Domino's didn't send us a single pizza. Well, and I should say,
0: uh, at risk of uh, of of biting the hand that that uh, failed to feed us. But uh, during the iHeartMedia transition, during the transition from How Stuff Works, the company we originally signed to do the show with, slash for. With whom we signed. With whom we signed. um, uh, When they were purchased by iHeartMedia, we started to get pitched quite a bit. Um, to do branded right. we, shows, we haven't talked about that. We haven't. What if somebody said that was uh, one of the things that us? What if somebody us? said
1: you guys should do the history of dot matrix printers, and Epson will send you a, right. a you know, six figure check?
0: What if Seagram sponsored a whole series of shows that you did on, say, Zima uh, <laughs> and other fun, fun alcohol pops?
1: The funny thing is, we would totally do a Zima show. But the question becomes, do you feel grubby? doing that same show because secrets told you to
0: well, or paid you to. Yeah. And I I think, I think as we started to see that the strategy was less to let us do a show and just try to sell ads on it and more to have our show be an extended opportunity for ads. This is, that is where the money is. It turns out. And that was where, that was where we started, uh, uh, looking for the ripcord. <laughs> we got very
1: skeptical at that point. And yet, after all, despite all our high ideals, I am about, for the first time, to introduce the grubby specter of payola to this previously impeccably... Uh, uh, it, it, the previously impeccable integrity of the Omnibus.
0: Wait a minute. Are you selling me out here? Well, how, <laughs> what, uh, am I just along for the ride? Are you, getting, are you getting paid somehow? A couple months ago, my
1: 17-year-old son... Who who occasionally pitches Dylan. omnibus ideas? D- Dylan, I think, we're, uh, is on the record as having wanted us to do that uh, blowout college football. Oh yeah, game we did. You know the two hundred twenty-two to zero. Right. Whatever. Uh, and ha- having mentioned
0: forward. Dylan, we need also now to mention Caitlin, the, uh, the child I prefer. That's right.
1: Uh, it's, I think because Dylan's not going to come off well in this story, maybe right. we've we've complimented Caitlin. Um, well, also, by implication,
0: and we should we should uh, we should also stipulate that Caitlin is prefers to be called Kate. She's Kate, that's true. In fact, at school, she's K. K.
1: And I didn't know this. It turns out there's another Kate, so she's K to avoid confusion. But I think she also thinks it's a little cooler because, of course, your school name is cooler than
0: your parent name. Right, although all you have to do is watch The Godfather 2 to have a very different uh, feeling about the name K.
1: I would be able to say, now who's being naive, K, like all the time, which would be fantastic for a 13-year-old girl. Do you think I would let that happen, K? (laughs) K. And I could just kind of—I mean, I already do the thing where I gently close doors in her face <laughs> all the time. <laughs> uh, so Dylan came to me uh, a few months ago, and he, you know, and he pitches the show idea of Snow Valley, Oklahoma. And I say, "Oh, cool! What's the deal? I've never heard of Snow Valley, Oklahoma." And he says, "Oh, well, it's a, it's a failed ski resort. It's a, it's a funny story." Uh-huh. And
0: I, good job, Dylan. Thanks a lot.
1: Thanks for thanks for doing the research there, Dylan. That. Thanks for doing the legwork. I and at some point I looked up Snow Valley, Oklahoma to see why you know my son doesn't ski
0: right. Why is he he's interested? Not in an his, Oklahoman.
1: He is not Oklahoman he's never been to Oklahoma. Uh, I don't know if I've been to Oklahoma. Have you not been to Oklahoma? There's like 11 states I haven't been to, and I'm I'm pretty sure Oklahoma is one of them.
0: Now this may seem counterintuitive, but let me recommend Oklahoma.
1: Uh, it's not counterintuitive at all. my, my people are from Oklahoma Oh. Mindy uh, has friends in Tulsa and has spent time there.
0: It's a fascinating state with a with a great uh, variety of uh, of geography and uh, and maybe less of a variety of culture, but still, uh, uh, you know, an awful lot of culture. Will Rogers. Will Rogers from Oklahoma,
1: birthplace of modern American topical comedy, uh, is from Oklahoma of all places. Mm-hmm. Um, and I so I, at one point I asked Ellen, "Well, I can't really actually find out much about." this obscure bit of Oklahoman lore, where are you getting this from? And he said, oh, I heard it from my friend Hayden.
0: Is Hayden the, the friend's real name? Yes, I'm naming Hayden on the oh, show. Oh, Hayden, okay.
1: And uh, I think it, another couple months passed, and Dylan asked me again, hey, how come you didn't do Snow Valley, Oklahoma? I'm like, Dylan, why, why are you so interested in this Oklahoma ski story? He says, well, and this is where the payola comes out, he says, "Well, Hayden says that um, he'll give me some really rare Pokemon cards if uh, if your dad's podcast <laughs> covers snow, snow Valley, Oklahoma." Well,
0: so Hayden listens to Omnibus
1: apparently, and Hayden, which seems
0: unlikely uh, uh, on the face of it, and Hayden had an idea.
1: Hayden uh, apparently has grand... I did some research last night. Okay. Dylan and I were, were texting back and forth with Hayden. Hayden, it turns out, has uh, you grand... Get,
0: you guys are all in the same house, but you're texting one another, right? <laughs> Hayden is not in our house. Oh, okay. Hayden is in Hayden's
1: house. I see. Uh, because that's so Hayden. But Hayden and I were... Uh, Hayden mentioned that his grandparents are from Oklahoma, and I, I believe the region of Oklahoma that our story concerns. And so he knew about you know this kind of funny local story of Snow Valley and thought... I, and maybe he had... Realized that we cover some of that kind of Americana and cultural detritus in this venue and thought, your dad should do that. And when it didn't happen, he decided to sweeten the deal. With some rare Pokemon. With a Delphox EX, Uh, a Grudon EX,
0: an Evil Paul
1: EX. I asked Dolan specifically, I need to know which Pokemon cards. And he said, why? And I said, because I'm going to mention them. On the
0: show, right, and now Dylan's all of a sudden backtracking a little bit, right now. He now was, he realizes he was
1: absolutely backtracking. He, he, he was like, "Wait, well, I have to ask Hayden which cards?" Yes, Dad, that's weird. Yeah, no, it is not. De- no. Detail is the engine that drives journalism and storytelling. Dylan. Did he
0: start to feel like you maybe were going to shame him on this show somehow? I think
1: he was starting to see this shape up, and he wasn't sure if this was worth a Del Fox es and Hayden, an although, although he's Paul right EX, now basking in the
0: on ex, I, ba- basking in the the mention of his name is going to is going to rue. That he ever walked into this.
1: Well, there are two kinds of teens. There are the teens that love to have the spotlight of adult attention gleaming on them, right? And then there are others who uh, realize the kind of uh, what, how, uh, how iffy mm-hmm. and how compromised the the spotlight of adult attention can be.
0: Well, let's drop it. Let's drop the needle on the record right there and say these are seventeen year olds who are playing with Pokemon's. <laughs> What is going on? <laughs> Shouldn't they have graduated to cars or girls or something?
1: The funny thing about Dylan is that he had uh, an amazing Pokemon card collection at some
0: point, right?
1: And then he turned nine and was like, "I don't need these anymore," and gave them to a buddy or gave them to Goodwill or whatever you right, do with sure the old am sure, These thing. things
0: were probably worth a million dollars, and then we,
1: it, today, in today's money, yes. What are you? Are you kidding? No, I think th- I think there might have been some. I think back then there were they were still being made by. I don't know Asbro? how this turned into a Pokemon episode. <laughs> there, at some point, they were being made by Wizards of the Coast, the uh, oh, the Magic: The Gathering collectible sure. we, card we, outfit. We know
0: some of those people,
1: yeah, and we're friendly with them. And they—that's a local outfit mm-hmm. because Magic was a local product. Mm-hmm. And I think because of that, you know, these cards are now rare, just as you know, we said stamps and coins are rare if they have different trim or right. You know, so the look of the cards changed, and now the old timey ones have some cachet. That year, that the
0: that the fifty seven Chevy was made by Ford. Exactly. Those are extremely rare.
1: Yeah. Uh, But then I think it may have
0: happened again where Dylan
1: re-got into Pokemon, the Pokemon fad at some point. Is this because of Pokemon Go?
0: Is that what happened?
1: The third time it happened, yes, it was Pokemon Go. And now he's got a girlfriend and they go play Pokemon Go with her parents. Pokemon Go to your girlfriend's house.
0: His, uh, his girlfriend is a sweet gal. She's fantastic. I, uh, she's a really nice lady. and she's Unclear it, why she's dating Dylan. She has been welcomed into your family in a really nice way. I see her around there all the time. And vice versa. Dylan go,
1: often wants to bail on whatever our activity is because his girlfriend's parents are playing Pokemon Go at Seattle Center. And we find that kind of, that's as close as we get to some wholesome family activity. So it's we allow
0: extremely it. extremely wholesome at one level, but also, I don't know, very concerning at another level.
1: If they were playing... Uh, backgammon of course we'd be all for it
0: yes yes go play backgammon with your girlfriend's dad but if you if you if you're if your girlfriend's dad is playing Cops and Robbers with you, <laughs> that seems like, I don't know, a little weird. So it's not even the tech that concerns you, it's the real life yeah. uh, immersive aspect. Yeah, like we're going to the Seattle Center to play to Cops play and Robbers and with, my, with my friend's parents. Wanna come? Uh,
1: yeah, well, uh, I'll just drive down and meet you there because I'm 17 years pew, old. Pew, pew.
0: Uh, and and so Hayden presumably is also part of this strange uh group of of um of people who almost could fight in a war <laughs> but are instead <laughs> collecting keep virtual Pokemon. Keep in mind, these kids
1: are months away from being able to vote. That's right. These children will be able to vote, many of them, in the 2020 presidential election. Dill will not. He'll be a week away from being 18. Oh. Which Oof. is good. One less vote for Trump. Right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I do feel like uh, there's a. There's One a, less
1: Jill Stein vote.
0: There's a kind of uh, trope right now among people, uh, Generation X uh, boomer
1: yeah the, cusp the, the gen X
0: boomer axis, yeah uh, where there's a lot of a sort of virtue signaling praise for young people that's happening in the culture. like the young people are amazing. They got it covered. They're so smart Look and amazing. like let's give the young people power. and I'm like, do not give young people power. What are you talking about? You remember being a young person? like of course they seem virtuous. They have no, uh, they they have only like five
1: ideas. I trust several young people. I trust a neurotypical Scandinavian children that are concerned about global warming. For right, example.
0: sure, that's very nice. But I would not give that child the keys to my house and say, "Will you look after my house for a would week?" Would you give Greta Thunberg your Domino's pizza buzzer?
1: I would absolutely not. not. I think would how not. many pizzas she would order. Would you give Greta Thunberg the the password to your computer? <laughs> no, like she, maybe I would. She looks very serious. I okay. think she, maybe right. she would do my taxes. Right, she seems very capable. Maybe Malala would um uh would get my uh my uh, my charitable giving in order. Who maybe, knows? Maybe,
0: maybe, maybe. And the thing is, my high school girlfriend Kelly would have been absolutely trustworthy, but she was my girlfriend, and she would have invited me over to your house. She would be there doing your taxes, and I would be uh, like licking the the frosting out of all <laughs> all of your <laughs> frosted goods. When you're a parent, you actually come to enjoy
1: what uh what is bashed in the media as the perpetual adolescence of the rising generation right because you don't want your kids out uh trying uh rave drugs and day trading sure.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, P- uh, piote and uh, and like Peotay penny and- stocks, <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> that old combination. You want them uh, playing uh, cops and robbers at the Seattle Center, sure, because it's it seems like uh, keeps it, them out of trouble, it keeps them out of trouble, anyway. All this by way of saying that in 10,000 years, the microbe people are going to be listening to Oklahoma lore, and I think they deserve to know that Snow Valley. Uh, may not have made it into the omnibus on its own merits because it's something that's gone in, almost entirely down the media memory hole unless you're from northeast, north-central Oklahoma.
0: But it's a fascinating story. Well, now what's interesting to me is that if Dylan had uh, if Dylan had the wisdom of an adult instead of that of a child, he would have contacted me about this story <laughs> because I would have been like, oh, Snow Valley, Oklahoma, thanks, Dylan. Uh, but instead he went to his dad who, I mean, if he had come to you with some you know, some story about how calculus is used as a aphrodisiac. Uh, you would have been like, yeah, sure. But it's a ski story in Oklahoma. That's and your just, wheelhouse. Yeah. And he just, you love skiing. You love Oklahoma. He picked the host that was going to, that was going to turn this into an episode about embarrassing his kids.
1: Well, you're seeing the combination of two impulses that a lot of teens have, or and specifically in Dylan, which is his desire for things for Pokemon cards and his and his fear of of you or <laughs> <laughs> his fear
0: of intimidating adults uh and i'm I'm curious Dylan obviously has not found collecting and playing Pokemon to inhibit his um his uh like appeal as a potential mate right like this is not going to inhibit his ability to breed
1: right even if your nerd friends are into your nerd hobby you realize.
0: The girls may not be into your nerd hobby, but that may be a relic of our generation. Yeah, right. I mean, the the, the kids that I knew that the, spent a lot of time trying to figure out how to make a broadsword, the assumption was that they would never have children.
1: The thing about making tech an exclusively male province is, uh, you know, we often talk about how you know how it disenfranchised generations of women. It's a problem we still see today um, in in STEM fields in the kind of old boys network that's built up around a lot of these professional angles. But um to think of the real victims, nerdy teenage boys who could have been dating all yeah. this time if they if they if the their potential girlfriends had just been into Star Trek
0: Deep Space 9 as much as they were. That's right. Here and the thing is, you know what did help uh, you in the dating world in the 1980s at least in my experience? Peyote S- skiing. Skiing. And skiing on peyote. Is it, it like instead of snow or skiing under the influence of peyote? You know, if you can get enough peyote together that you are skiing on it, you're a big wheel. Is
1: that a true story? Was there in Alaska in your youth, was there a lot of an aura of desirability and masculinity that surrounded skiing?
0: For whatever reason, the 1970s and 80s were uh, were an era where skiing was ascendant as a as a sport that communicated a kind of preppy upper middle classness and primarily because it's expensive. Yeah. And also the gear is expensive and it requires that you often travel long distances to do it and have a place to stay when you're there. I mean, everything about skiing makes it not accessible. Um, and so it was a signifier of, it's a sport
1: that tries to keep people out That's by right. its very nature, but also we'll it's, do this on a mountain.
0: It's hard. And so, uh, you, you exhibit prowess in addition to wealth.
1: And the prowess in a, uh, in a sexy, glamorous way. You know, like uh, James Bond could never play soccer against no. against an adversary. No. But he could
0: certainly try to out-ski their henchmen. And this is a great thing about skiing, and it's why it appealed to me so much, is that it is a solitary sport. I mean, you're on a team, you're racing, but as soon as you start to move on skis, you're by yourself. And you could be surrounded by other skiers, but you are you are alone. That's me all the time. I don't, <laughs> you know, I don't need ski gear for this. You're you're alone in your bubble until you come to a stop. You know, until you're down in the lodge and and uh, and drinking hot cocoa. So that appeals to a lot of people, myself included.
1: Well, speaking of driving long distances to have this experience, this bubble experience, uh, I take you now to Kellyville, Oklahoma, hmm. located in, uh, like I said, kind of north central northeast. Oklahoma, um, founded in 1892 by a man named Kelly who, um, you know, Oklahoma was still Indian territory in 1892, capital I, capital T. Like it said sure. Indian territory on maps sure, because it was the place Just, that all these tribes had been relocated because despite your insistence that Oklahoma is a great place to live, we hadn't found oil there. <laughs> therefore, right. we thought uh, no harm in placing Indians from Florida to the Dakotas. Right. Nobody in, wants to right live
0: here, here uh, uh, pre-oil discovery mm-hmm. after which – we we should do an episode on the the uh, the Osage Indian massacres of Oklahoma and the, absolutely I, and I don't I don't laugh uh, I laugh a rueful laugh right uh, because it's a it is a sordid tale I
1: like that H, I like that HBO is getting into forgotten Oklahoma racism as well like, are they well they only poured tens of million dollars into that Watchmen TV show which.
0: Is that said in Oklahoma? It's more than
1: you would think about Oklahoma's troubled racial past. Oh,
0: I had no idea. I haven't watched I thought I just assumed it was about the guy who think, had an ink blot for a face. I don't
1: think we can do the Tulsa uh,
0: uh, you know, massacre
1: slash riots anymore just because- It's common Every, every
0: child in America now knows it. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, well maybe I should watch that show.
1: Yeah. Um, Kellyville so uh, Mr. Kelly got permission from the Bureau of Indian Affairs or whatever to found a trading post or a general store
0: or That's something. That's how they get you. One of these guys sure. getting
1: rich off the off the tribes. It's
0: like Deadwood.
1: And uh, grew up into a town at some point, uh, you know, had its own bank and post office in cotton gin, I guess. Must be must be cotton fields nearby. Uh, but the depression hit Oklahoma kinda hard, as you may know. Mm-hmm. Um and so the population began to decline into the 20th century. For a long time, it was on the storied Route 66, which is what kept it afloat.
0: Oh, it's on 66. It's still on 66 this
1: day. That's Unfortunately, cool. 66 is not on 66. Right. Everybody takes the interstate. And that didn't help as well. In, in fact, in t- uh, probably until this day, the most famous thing that ever happened in, Ke- in Kellyville is the worst uh, train disaster in oklahoma
0: history i mean that's that is an increasingly narrowing uh, uh like you're, set of you're, conditions you're ready, and i was like the, you... the worst train disaster in the me- uh,
1: oklahoma history even in the standards of american history this is a pretty bad train disaster because it was a head-on collision
0: what how do you how do you mistake? even have a head on? it's a train <laughs> it's a
1: railroad do you know what i really enjoy john what do you enjoy, Ken? I enjoy these addenda entries we've been recording.
0: Yeah, we just for got the done. Omnibus. We just got done doing an addenda, and it really um, they really stand on their own. It's fun because we have managed to have
1: create this group of thousands of people who just do the work for us. Mm-hmm. They, all
0: have, uh, they all have they all things they want to add to. They our They all shows. have fun,
1: interesting expertise and stories, and they you know you want to talk back to the podcast, and of course you can, or you will look like an idiot on the train. But now they can. They're they're Suggesting their own material. And in the addenda episode, we can we can share those to, a, to an audience in this time period and beyond. Sometimes we
0: argue with them, but most of the time their additions are relevant and, and quite interesting. And we're certainly respectful. That's right. Well, yeah, mostly. Mostly. Uh, but we, but they, they lead us to sometimes go, uh, go off on a different aspect of an episode we've done. Yeah, they're, they're kind of freewheeling in a way
1: that, you know, with Omnibus, we're usually trying to get back to the story because we're trying to, you know, finish educating the future on whatever happened to this uh, French foreign minister or whatever. Right. And here, uh, we can just say whatever and we can just start randomly Googling facts. You, you wanted to know how long a $5 bill lasted, so yeah. we looked it up. Five years. 4.9
0: years or yeah. something. Uh, uh, but these are available only to people who subscribe to our Patreon which involves some sort of contribution to the production of the show.
1: Yes, we have multiple tiers. And at any tier from $5 up, which would be all the tiers, uh, you get immediate access at the end of every month to a new addenda episode. Some of which are like getting up to an hour in length. Right? That's right. How long was that last? one? Was it close uh, to an hour? Yeah,
0: it was uh, 50 minutes, I think, uh, worth of us going, going from episode to episode and kind of dealing with our viewer mail.
1: So, uh, a whole new, really a regular sized bonus omnibus entry every month if you uh, if you have the resources and and choose to support the show.
0: And at different uh, tiers of our Patreon, you' there are other you have other benefits, right? Uh, d- name some benefits at different tiers. At the ten dollar
1: uh, tier, you get access to our as well as the addenda episode. You get access to our image feed where we post show notes. Um, funny things people have sent us. You and I clowning around. Our show notes are hilarious. They're illegible. All right, but let's not let's not downplay how good they are, since we do want people to donate.
0: But there are tons of goofs. Uh, you know, right now I'm sitting here with the um, with the Jeopardy trophy, greatest of all time. It's sitting for some reason over here on my side of the desk for some reason. And on top of it, it has a little statue of a Basque or Catalonian boy taking a poop. Now you're not going to know what that symbolizes, what that comes from, unless you're a a subscriber. And this is a photograph that we'll post on our image.
1: At the the $20 tier, you get a signed copy of one
0: of our show notes. We are,
1: I'm going to make you, I have brought a Sharpie and I'm going to make you sign those today. Oh,
0: we're going to send them to people in the mail. Yes.
1: We are sending them out worldwide. Wow. How exciting. For them. Yeah. Uh well and for you if you like signing I things. I like signing things. Uh for fifty dollars. These, That's these, a lot these of high money.
0: these high tiers are very uh aspirational. Sure. There's they're specific to people that, that have um, have a little bit more money to share.
1: Well, and they're specific to people who like, you know, could just as easily hear the show for free but enjoy the feeling of support and community, yeah, I guess. Right. At the fifty dollar level, you get to choose a show topic oh. that goes to the top of our heap. And we just got our first uh Request today from from Krista, who uh, has two ideas that she'd like us to do. I'm excited to hear them. And at the hundred dollar level, John and I will actually come to your house and do some chores.
0: Yeah, that's right. We I will be a human Roomba. <laughs> we will put uh, me in a closet, and we will actually do a, a,
1: a like a video chat. Yeah. At the $100 level.
0: That's a lot of money though. It really
1: understand. I don't see. on no level is that worth it. Again, it's just about the feeling of I don't know. of support and
0: community that people feel. A video chat with somebody? It's probably going to be MC Hammer's kids or somebody that we're going to talk to. Where would they get the money? 100 oh, oof. Ouch. MC Hammer
1: burn. It's 1917. Uh all of America's young people are off fighting World War One and as a result Or on their way. Or on their way, right. Yeah. There's a shortage of engineers and conductors and brakemen and so forth. Right. So you've got then un- now. you've got uns- <laughs> <laughs> for different reasons. <laughs> less mustard gas related reasons. You've got so you've got a bunch of less skilled people running all this stuff. Right. And more trains running because for, because of Fort Sill, Oklahoma, there's a lot of troop trains running.
0: Oh, right. Right. Oh, and this is if it's on Route 66, then it's also got to be, what is this, the Frisco line? St. Louis
1: and Santa Fe. Yeah, right. So you've got a passenger train from St. Louis and Santa Fe going one way. You've got a troop train out of Fort Sill going the other way.
0: Oh, I love this song.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's a Gordon Lightfoot song, I think. Good morning,
0: America.
1: <laughs> uh, and... The uh, apparently the troop train had decoupled without notifying whoever you notify when you split into two trains. Right. I guess, I don't know how this a, works. There's a second locomotive, apparently.
0: A brakeman would be t- talking to the people in the yard, right? The there's switchmen. some kind of a
1: series of lanterns yeah. in some kind of semaphore-like arrangement. I don't know. Right. I've, I don't know anything Switches about this. And- um, but uh, so apparently it was not clear to the passenger train coming the other way They thought they were clear of the troop train and did not realize there was a second second troop train. The second half of the train is, you know, just a mile behind. Oh, dear. So they get back, and that's how you get a head-on collision. Now, back then, trains were made of wood, which is not what you want Wait a minute.
0: in a head-on Trains train collision made of wood, they were <laughs> yeah oh i see train cars, cars. <laughs> right i was <laughs> <Nope>. trying, <laughs> trying to picture a, <laughs> a steam, steam locomotive <laughs>
1: like hmm. this is your steampunk oklahoma <laughs> I'm fantasy not sure No, the train sorry the train cars in which most of the casualties were found right. are made of wood so you know in a car you want a crunch zone but in a train you do not want that crunch zone to be
0: the passenger cars. You want a you want a crunch zone in your uh, Domino's pizza too. <laughs> That's absolutely the, what you if want. If you get the crunchy crust.
1: Uh, in this case, the the crew of course of both trains see what's coming and they jump to injury but safety.
0: <laughs> Apparently, there's
1: no. The captain goes down with the ship. Etiquette. No, no.
0: If you see it, you you hit the horn a couple of times and you bail.
1: Uh, and the, the the whistle did not bail anyway. And in fact, there is a sad crunch zone story. Uh, the newspaper accounts of the cr- uh, crash refer to this as a complete telescoping of the first few cars of each train. Oh, dear. But they
0: mean accordioning. Yes. It's
1: not telescoping in a good way.
0: No. Uh, Putting away your telescope.
1: What it means is the mail car slammed right into the... Well, I guess it probably went up and then it landed on the next two cars, mm. which were first the smoker car where, you know, people in some kind of parlor.
0: Sure, those people deserved to die. And
1: second, being Oklahoma 1917, the Jim Crow
0: car. Oh, dear.
1: So, segregation apparently was the opposite of a city bus. The For whatever reason, the front of the train was less prestigious.
0: Oh, because it was behind the – it was closer, closer to, to the Closer to the engine, smokestack. I guess. You
1: get cinders, yeah. yeah. So uh, – of the 32 that died in this accident, I believe only seven were white people. It was it was the the uh, African American and Indian pa- uh, American Indian pa- Native American passengers in the Jim Crow car. Just covering <laughs> all my bases, uh, who were like tr- the vast majority of the casualties. Um, but since then, that was that was kind of the high watermark for Kellyville <laughs> as far as the <laughs> national really made media. it into the newspapers. Yeah, that was pretty much the last time the the Dust Bowl and then the you know the end of. I guess, cotton and then the end of rural America and the end of red 66 shrunk the town. Um, there was some, I think oil and gas activity there, but it's still, you know, population is much lower than it was at the beginning of the century. The nearby big city is Sepulpa, Oklahoma, which I have never Sepulpa. heard of. I think Sepulpa is maybe a character from star Wars episode one, the Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, He's also the namesake of this, uh, you know, a plausibly sized city. I don't know, ten to 20,000 people, maybe. Right. Um, but again, Sepulpa really only on the national media map for one thing, which is in 2008, the Sepulpa Daily Herald did not print the results of the presidential election.
0: Because? Because Barack Obama is a black man. <laughs> so they didn't, they just... Left it out? They left it out. The residents of Sepulpa could go on believing that there wasn't a black president? George
1: W. Bush was (sighs) still president? The headline just read, John McCain wins Creek County.
0: (laughs) No, really?
1: (laughs) And when asked later, of course, nobody at the Sepulpa Daily Herald said, well, it's because the president's a colored fella now. Right. That's what they're thinking. Right. That's not what they said. They said that, well, we're a local paper, so we just covered the local impact of the story. Now of course every
0: previous election the Sepulveda Daily Herald had announced the winner. <laughs> how how like how fantastic in a way that right. that such a
1: mindset exists. That really kind of does epitomize the modern American bubble. You know, like obviously Fox News is not going to have the same story that's on CNN and NBC, NBC all the time. Right. But in this case literally the presidential election did not have
0: an outcome in Creek County, Oklahoma. Right. <laughs> it's uh, it's part of this like contemporary um, sort of, uh, and I, I want to, I want to call it a, a, uh, I want to, I, I want to describe it in a, in partisan terms, uh, but the, uh, the, the sort of mentality that that people have where they're, they say almost like, can you prove that crimes are illegal? <laughs> <laughs> this kind of bubble does work
1: both ways. I mean, there's the famous Pauline Kael story about, I can't believe, you know, when Nixon wins the landslide over McGovern, she says she can't believe he won because she didn't know a single person who voted for him. Right. On the Upper West Side. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm sure there's many nice things about Creek County, Oklahoma, but it's not, as you would expect, a great skiing destination.
0: I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of Oklahoma on, a, on an American, a map of America it's in it the is, middle it's a, it's in the lower middle
1: yeah and the the deep the south if there's a pl- a part of america that has no ski resorts it would be south of a, you you mentioned that it's hard to get to skiing it's hard to get to skiing. and that's it's a it's it's a by necessity a regional uh, it's part of the culture and part of the terrain.
0: Well, what's funny is that Oklahoma is it's uh, geographically in an interesting place in the country because there is a little teeny part of the panhandle of Oklahoma that touches Colorado. Sure. One of the great Rocky Mountain ski uh, states. In fact, some might say <laughs> in the top four great De- Rocky Mountain ski states.
1: Definitely the one that has the most John Denver songs about it.
0: And, uh, and yet the part of Oklahoma that touches Colorado it touches the part of Colorado where there is no skiing.
1: If you've ever flown into Denver, you realize you're still quite far from the mountains,
0: and you're you're halfway into Colorado at that point. And the largest uh, largest part of the Oklahoma border uh, is with the state of Kansas, famously without skiing. <laughs> and <laughs> it's it's their motto. It is ad astra per aspera. That's uh, Latin for without skiing. Right. So uh, no, I'm surprised to find that there is any. I mean, there uh, Oklahoma, like a lot of states, has quite a bit of rolling it prairie, right? But I, but I, I, w- I don't think of it as a place with much elevation.
1: I have done research here. The closest ski resort to northern northeastern Oklahoma is in you will not you will be surprised at the state it's in hmm? the great state of Iowa. Really, <laughs> really, <laughs> just across the river from Omaha, Nebraska on the kind of the bluffs, I guess, the Iowa Bluffs, sure. C- Council Bluffs, Iowa, sure uh, is uh, a not very good <laughs> ski destination <laughs> called Mount Crescent, Iowa. And you could get there from Kellyville, Oklahoma, in a mere seven hours if you wanted to drive to this kind of little bunny hill on the banks of the, uh, what, the Mississippi River, I guess.
0: The, well, that wouldn't be the Mississippi. Oh. That would be the, um, is it the Missouri there? What, What's, what, what separates Iowa from... um. Nebraska. What goes through Kansas City? There, the Platte River. Oh no, it's the Missouri,
1: the Mississippi-Missouri system. I had the right river system. Yeah, the
0: um, the, the Mississippi
1: has already branched off. If
0: there. you if you think of the um, if you think of the bluffs there over the over the river, they're pretty substantial. But I don't... Compared to any place else near Omaha, yes. And Iowa has a lot of rolling hills, surprising topography there. But again, nothing I would look at and think, let's shush down those slopes. Well, there's not a lot of powder.
1: Mount Crescent, like a lot of these kind of borderline... Ski resorts, and I—I I don't mean borderline in terms of quality. I just mean in terms of latitude.
0: Has I, thought you, I thought you meant in terms of personality disorder.
1: <laughs> yeah, it doesn't care about your emotions. Uh, it does not produce. It, it uses 100 artificial snow most winters. Um, it's Mount Crescent was founded in 1961, and it has uh, I don't know two, you know, a single toe, and then two or three. Right. Very unexciting
0: slopes. Right. Well, and it's one of those it, tow ropes that's run by, a, like, somebody's old uh, uh, Peterbilt motor. Right. They start it with a hand crank. And it's got... I read I read some reviews, and people
1: are very enthusiastic, but mostly because they took their kids there to go tubing yeah, or sledding, tubing. or in the suburb, they went, went to the zip line. That's fun. If you actually went there to ski or snowboard, you're likely to write a Yelp review more like this one. <laughs> My expectations from the outset were low for this place, and yet, they still weren't low enough. <laughs> 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 but there's big parts of the world that are hours and hours away from skiing. The continent of Africa, for example.
0: Right. There Although are, you could ski on Kilimanjaro pretty easily. You could ski all
1: the way down, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'd run over the uh, the Americans, get dentists going up on foot or on... In jeeps or whatever, uh, there are a few ski resorts in the Atlas Mountains of Morocco okay, and, uh, sure.
0: and uh, whatever's next to Morocco. I've crossed the Atlas Mountains. Algeria. You have Algeria there. You have the uh, you have Western Sahara.
1: And there are I don't think that far down. There's any resorts. <laughs> <laughs> Western Sahara doesn't have a government, let alone uh, a skiing infrastructure. <laughs> but then uh, the but, Atlas Mountains are real mountains. Yeah, no, that's yeah, they're exciting. That's that's real snow skiing. And then in the in South Africa, there's some. There's people who want to ski, mm-hmm. and then some. I mean, Lesotho is a uh, highland. Oh, you know, it's. Um, I think it has the highest low point of any nation on earth because oh, really? it's so small, and all of it is this upland plateau. Like nothing there is below seven thousand feet or something. I imagine so you can that ski in South Africa and Lesotho,
0: like like uh, preppies everywhere are looking for another way to distinguish themselves. I mean, you can play tennis and row crew all day. But at a certain point, you're going to want you're going to want something that that takes Sets that to a higher apart. level. Yeah. And so you're looking for skiing. I mean, if you're a, if you're a South African uh, like Biff, what are you going to do?
1: But nothing between Morocco and South Africa, literally. In the entire, in continent? The entire continent.
0: Wow, I don't know
1: what that is. For what's how, how far apart are those? Five thousand miles? Oh, Six thousand yeah, miles between? Well, maybe way. five thousand miles between Morocco and South Africa? No skiing, unless you count the the uh, indoor hills of. Uh, Egypt and then up into, you know, Dubai up into the Arabian. Right. The, the
0: the the big mall in Dubai has a, has some kind of crazy indoor ski resort. Although we should be we should be clear, um, Futurelings may be living in a world where the continent of Africa has collided with Asia Minor uh, uh, through some tectonic process, and um, and they think of Dubai as being a a city in Africa but in our time those were separate
1: separate yeah, and in our time the United, the 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 biomes of the United States were such that uh we got snow in right. about half the country and
0: right. that may not be true in your era anymore <laughs> that's right <laughs> they're thinking of, of skiing as a thing reserved for a few few people in the north slope of alaska uh
1: in, and that's true about skiing right if you're from new england say you think of skiing as a con- as a birthright it, as you say it's expensive and inconvenient but uh but it's something you could take a weekend trip to do and all your friends are going to be doing. If you That's true of Alaska or Colorado or Northern California. Or, if
0: you live anywhere outside of New England, you think of New England skiing as a form of punishment. <laughs> but yeah, right? If you grew it's up the, in uh, –
1: It's the snow, right? Is that the issue? Yeah,
0: The wind. The I mean, it's not even snow they have there. Let's be honest. Anyone listening to this program, even distant in the future, is thinking of Vermont and New Hampshire skiing and going <sighs> –
1: Ah, Explain to me, a non-skier or possible future octopuses who cannot afford eight skis, uh, why you want to ski on powder as opposed
0: to New England goop. Well, as someone who is a skier and grew up skiing in the Northwest, I am accustomed to what's called Pacific Northwest Cement. Yeah, we have that. Which is heavy, heavy snow that is not light and fluffy, but pretty hard work to move around.
1: It's just, it, does it feel like walking in mud? Kind of your, it's hard on your ankles and your knees.
0: And I mean, to ski in it is fun, but it's, it's better if it's been groomed, which is to say like sort of flattened with machines to make a, to make a kind of packed surface that you can make big carving turns in the, the, the powder at such as it is, is fine. It's fun to ski.
1: Is it just cause it goes,
0: whew? Uh, well, Powder in Utah and Wyoming and Montana and Colorado, uh, the snow has a very different quality because the mountains are already so high, right? I mean, the mountain I grew up skiing, Mount Alieska in Alaska, the base is at sea level. Mm. So the the snow is very wet. Um, But up in those high mountains that are, what, some of them are 14,000 feet high. And much further from – Any ocean that would bring in moisture. Right. I mean, the base of the mountain is already 8,000 feet. So the snow that falls is really light and fluffy. The crystals are just really big. And so it combines to make this powder. And it really does act like powder and feel like powder. So as you're skiing through it, the snow is just poofing around you, almost in clouds of you know, like super fluffy so light. Is a ice. lot of it
1: the visual aesthetic? No, it's just no, no, magical, no. or no? The
0: the the snow is um, to ski through it is to float. I see. Whereas in the west, to ski through it is to work. Now on the east coast, uh, the snow falls as ice lands on the on the hill. It's already ice, and then it freezes even into a harder form of ice. So that skiing on the East Coast is really about chattering down the slope on, like, basically just careening down on a on a just a sheet of of like dirty ice. Get out of
1: my way! And, um, I don't know how to stop this. Thing. And it
0: makes East Coast skiers good. I mean, they know how to the the ones that are good have to be pretty darn good because they're still alive. Because they yeah, they have to navigate a, a much more challenging. Uh, conditions.
1: I mean, if you're born in Oklahoma, you have no such birthright. You have no expectation of skiing. Even Mount Crescent, Iowa, is seven hours away. The nearest Colorado resorts are 11 or 12 hours a drive away. Uh, you just can't do it for a for a weekend.
0: No, I mean, you can initiate a cattle drive, <laughs> which is something we couldn't do in that's Alaska. That's what you do instead. You
1: just start a cattle drive for yeah! fun. <laughs> um,
0: but in 1970...
1: That was all about to change. A man named Willis Barrow and his wife uh, were visiting her parents in. Uh, I'm going to say it wrong. Konawa, Oklahoma. Uh huh. It can't be Konawa. That sounds like a World War II battle. Konawa, maybe.
0: I don't know. Uh, Konawa sounds like a like a a, a Thai restaurant. Or I'm sorry, a, a teriyaki restaurant here in <laughs> Seattle. Uh,
1: I assume it is uh, a Native American word. I have no idea what it would mean. Let's assume it is. He's visiting his, his in-laws there. He is a ski guy who, uh, I think he's from Stovermont Vermont. So he grew up skiing, uh, again on awful ice, mm-hmm. but he later moved to big bear and became a ski instructor and ski area manager in California. And for seven years, confusingly, the record says that he traveled the U S and Canada as a member of the Austrian ski team. Right. I don't know why a guy named Willis Barrow would be on the Austrian ski team. Or is that just a thing like ice capades? You're, you're called the Austrian ski team and you uh, you tour America.
0: No. In fact, Austria produces the greatest skiers.
1: Exactly. <laughs> so why do they need this guy named Willis from Vermont? Anyway, he must have been good if he's skiing for the Austrians. Sure. Uh, and while he's. But uh, apparently he had a lot of experience with artificial snow.
0: I don't know if. In 1970? Yes. That was a burgeoning technology then, or Is, I is mean, it a, very early for, a, the, pr- for that? Well, th- they've been making artificial snow for a while, but, but 1970,
1: my freezer was making My grandparents freezer was making artificial <laughs> snow in the fifties. I think
0: it was only, I mean, that technology only became really universal, uh, in the seventies and eighties. We, so, we made artificial snow at Mount Alieska. Now it's a, now it's a massive industry. Uh, uh, resorts are laying down a bed of artificial snow as soon as it gets cold before it's even snowed
1: naturally. And because then, then they they've got that,
0: and if it snows, all the better. Yeah, what you're trying to do with the ski resort is establish a base of snow, and then throughout the year, you you can you know as the snow falls, right, you're maintaining, uh, you're maintaining your base, and that's the that's kind of the key.
1: Just lesson of politics, you got to maintain your base. Maintain it. I assume a lot of it is not just the uh, the you know the, the chemical composition. It's more than because you know it's just water for the most part. I assume it's just the mechanical process of how you spray it, you know, how you get the right texture, how you spray it on the hill. There must be a lot of logistics and infrastructure involved in that. That's right. And I assume he had some experience with that at Big Bear? Would, you know, would Northern California have needed artificial snow at the time? Sure, could kind of. so, have. Uh, so he's got years of experience with artificial snow, and he's obviously one of these guys who thinks this is the future. And while he's visiting his parents, uh, sorry, his wife's parents. Uh, Big difference. It is. <laughs> and they shouldn't be the same people, even in Oklahoma. <laughs> During this visit, he got to talking with his wife's parents and started doing some math. And he realized that although the, the weather in Oklahoma is moderate, that with artificial snow, you don't need too many freezing temperatures. He, he decided that uh, if he just had 10 nights where the temperatures dropped below zero, he could operate a ski resort for 30 days on artificial snow. Really? Once once temperatures fall below freezing, it would only take him eight hours with the system he had in place, I guess, from Big Bear Lake. It would only take him eight hours to cover five acres with five inches of snow.
0: And, uh, and then if the temperature went up to 37 degrees, he could maintain... That I guess. it wouldn't be enough to melt.
1: Yeah, I, I guess that five inches gives him enough of a base that he can maintain. Huh. And uh, so all he needed was a suitably hilly spot, and he felt like he had the snowmaking apparatus to run a ski resort in Oklahoma. And, of course, northeastern Oklahoma is kind of hilly. Mm-hmm. Um, so he starts driving around. Hilly uh, and chilly, they call
0: it.
1: <laughs> it's got to be hilly, and it's got to be chilly. So he spends just months driving around northern Oklahoma, checking out climate and terrain.
0: He's only visiting his in-laws here. Did, <laughs> is he deciding, like, this is— he thinks maybe this is his big
1: business. Uh, like, okay. like he's a uh, you know he's been skiing since 1938. He's a veteran, but you know you can't do that forever. He's moved into ski management and ski instruction, but this would be his business, right? And there'd be no competitors. He'd be getting it on the ground floor of Oklahoma skiing,
0: right? No competitors for seven hours in every direction.
1: It's a pretty brilliant uh, move. And Although uh, this
0: is not a populated area.
1: <laughs> no, right? There's there's, there's there's not not populated with. Uh, with people with a known propensity towards ski weekends.
0: Right, right, right.
1: So there's a couple difficulties, getting enough people and then convincing Oklahoma that they want to ski. Right. Maybe the idea is because there's nobody for seven hours around, you have a big radius. Right. Maybe he'll be drawing in Texans and Louisianans and Arkansans
0: and, you know, people from all over. Well, the the other thing is that skiers tend to think that the appeal of skiing is self-evident. Right? Like, you don't need to convince people to ski. Build it, it and they will come. It's right there. Skiing.
1: I think he may have overestimated that just because of his, his personal blinders of, of growing up in ski culture for decades. He thought if this was there, of course, everyone would want this because he comes from ski land. Right. Um, so he's got to find a spot. He spends you know months searching for a spot. In one week alone, he drives 3,000 miles checking out different in potential Oklahoma? hills. In Oklahoma. I mean, he's... Obviously not in a straight line, or he would leave
0: Oklahoma. Sure.
1: He's driving around different towns and back roads. I mean, that's a long
0: way to drive. That's every road in Oklahoma, (laughs) 3,000 miles.
1: It's like a fractal, (laughs) you know. He's making little tiny turns and jogs. Yeah, that number makes it look like he has seen a lot of rural Oklahoma. And finally, in Kellyville, uh, Oklahoma, he finds... A likely-looking hill. I mean, it's a it's a cow pasture, and it would have to be cleared of all the trees and brush. Right. But he can kind of see it. There's the area we can fl- we can grade for parking. Those are the trees we cut down. We can put a tow rope here, uh, and so he leases seven acres from a local rancher. Well, named that was smart.
0: He didn't J. try to J. buy. It, he didn't buy it, right?
1: <laughs> so he's not. He doesn't totally have the blinders on. But uh, he thinks he's got three
0: slopes there. And this is not far from Tulsa, we should say, right? It's it's uh, it's close to a big town. There are big cities you could draw people from. Now, today,
1: I assume a lot of these Midwestern cities are maybe full of, not full of, but have quite a few transplanted coastal folks there for work. Americans are more mobile today. They change jobs more often. Now, we're um, going to
0: get angry letters from some futurelings at at. Uh, at characterizing Tulsa, Oklahoma as a Midwestern city. You think the Midwest ends at the Kansas-Oklahoma border? I do. Or I, I, I'm almost one of those people that would that would argue that the prairie states aren't part of the Midwest, but I'm, no, I'm oh, I know I'm going to get angry. Oh, I see. You're
1: like, a, you're like a Midwest is Ohio kind of guy? Well,
0: it certainly is Ohio. But What's the center of the Midwest to you? I'm going to say that the Midwest is Ohio— Uh, Indiana. But what's the center? Chicago? I would say Chicago's the center of the Midwest. Would you call Kentucky part of the Midwest? Absolutely not. But But Wisconsin, you would say. I'm
1: okay with... I think we've done this before. The fact that I think of Kansas as the quintessential Midwest, and maybe that's just Wizard of Oz's fault, makes me want to um, give Oklahoma, or at least the least Texan
0: parts of Oklahoma, a buy. But there are people in Iowa that are going to say that Iowa is a prairie state, not a Midwestern state. Are we, is it uncontroversial
1: to say that Oklahoma is a
0: prairie state or is it too far South? I think south? Oklahoma would be a prairie state.
1: Cause it's true that once, it's not we, a Southern state. Once we get into the Texas panhandle or even Northeast Texas, I, I don't think of that as the Midwest.
0: But you so whatever
1: the line is to me, it's somewhere in Oklahoma.
0: No, uh, New, New Mexico is a Southwestern state. Yes. Western Texas is the Southwest, but are you going to put Oklahoma as a Southwestern state? No, no. Oklahoma, At one time, it was Oklahoma is a cowboy state, which mm-hmm. to me says prairie. But I don't. But maybe prairie isn't a region. I think it should be. I think prairie should be a region. Anyway,
1: today the prairie regions. Okay,
0: let's call it that. Let's call it
1: that. And other other parts of uh, what the coastal folks would say, or over America. You know, the big cities of uh, of non-coastal America are full of transplants who like the lower house prices and
0: have found a job there. Uh, I think that, but in 1970, less mobility. Futurelings are going to call this the Platte Sea because (laughs) it's going to be a giant ocean.
1: (laughs) That'll be a nice break for them after the dust bowl. It'll be more. It'll be more trucks of
0: Okies heading to California, but um, but they'll be all wet. Well, there'll be party barges. (laughs) Um, So, so you're you're suggesting that there are people in Oklahoma who have a who have some kind of like. Vestigial memory of skiing. Of skiing in their- as a thing. Yeah, right. And But many fewer in 1970. Well, and the thing is, mobility tends to work the other way. People from Oklahoma go to San Francisco to let their freak flag fly. Well, that, I mean, that totally outnumbers them. Right. But I'm just saying there's
1: probably more people moving—there's just less media coverage, but there's more people moving to these regional cities today than there were back then. People right. moved less then. Right. You know? That's right. You'd get a job with whatever in Chicago and stay there your whole life. Right.
0: You'd, you'd get a job at Diet, diet Dr. Pepper Incorporated.
1: <laughs> is that the name of the company? They spun off their diet division it's into it. its own They make tootsie units. Um, And so the, Willis Barrow and his wife have big dreams. They're going to open for the winter of 1971. Um, they're going to have a tow ropes. They're going to offer instruction. There's going to be rentals because obviously Oklahomans don't own their own skis.
0: Well, but that's a lot of infrastructure to, to import and build.
1: It really is. He wants to have a, a slide. He wants to have a like a, a you know a, kind of a small, chalet, What he calls a huddle house right. is, that, is that a skiing term? That's no. what the that's what the article
0: says. <laughs> I mean, maybe
1: he wants to have a quote huddle house where people can relax around a fire operate
0: ski. They, they, we do use the term house to describe ski lodges. Like the we had one called the round house, which was round. Is there less huddling? We didn't though? huddle though. You want to huddle, but a lodge, day lodge, ski lodge is what we call them. Lodges. Day
1: lodge, soul. Uh, and he's, and he's, um, and he's got signage bragging about how there's going to be a, you know, there's a slope with a 300 foot toe, a 500 foot toe, a 750 foot toe. These don't seem that long to me as a non-skier. No, that's not.
0: I mean, there's little bunny hills. You spend as much time on the rope as you do on the slope. Oh, Hmm.
1: Uh, you you made it. Is that not a skiing saying? I've never heard that before,
0: but I like it. (laughs) That, that feels like it applies across a whole lot of Different. An hour on the
1: rope, a uh, second on the slope. Um, and in fact, Snow Valley does open outside Kellyville uh, in, uh, in the winter of 1971, but almost immediately runs into problems, as you might expect.
0: Um, did it have to do with Watergate?
1: <laughs> the winter is too warm. It had to do with water. The winter is too warm. Um, Boo, winter of 1971. He doesn't get the freezing nights he needs. When he tries to make artificial snow, it also find, it turns out that northeastern Oklahoma is very windy. You've alluded to this about it New is. England. That's right. Uh, it's much windier than what he's used to. And as a result, all his math about how the snow will scatter is wrong. And uh, it all lands in a, in a farmer's <sighs> field. Like <laughs> the snow blows away from where the slopes and lands on somebody else's Land. The wind doesn't
0: blow in Oklahoma. It's just that Kansas sucks. Woo! Uh,
1: There's finally uh, one, he finally does get one toe going on one little slope. The problem is nobody can ski. He's attracting all these people who are like, what a fun lark. Right. uh, And renting them gear. And then he's also selling them splints and crutches. and <laughs> That's exactly what happens. People crash into the concession stand. Right. People crash into the outhouse knocking it over. Uh, many people crash into the uh, the barbed wire fence at the bottom of the oh. slope, which I don't think I'm not a skier but I don't think that's what you want That's
0: not what we typically do, but he released this from a cow
1: farmer <laughs> that's exactly what it is. It's a converted pasture. And we should probably do a barbed wire entry at some
0: point. They' fascinating. Uh,
1: the history of barbed wire is amazing, but it's also very important to that part of the country. So when people crash into the barbed wire they can't cut the barbed wire that's that's farmer Brown you know that his cows are going to get out. So with the cattle in mind, they're just cutting up people's ski jackets.
0: Oh, and those are expensive. It's
1: cutting up people's expensive uh, L.L. Bean gear. Maybe that's not well, what they have in no, Oklahoma. they wouldn't
0: have had L.L. Bean, but yeah.
1: <laughs> to, get them of, uh, to get them out of the barbed wire. So it's a disaster. And uh, within a day or two, a nearby neighbor, uh, apparently just—it wasn't Watergate, it was Vietnam. Mm-hmm. A neighbor just home from the war complains about the noise.
0: Of people screaming
1: ca- caught in the wire. <laughs> yes,
0: <laughs> dear God, oh, get me out of here, <laughs> refugee! <GI. laughs>
1: uh, no, I, I guess we can assume that uh, the 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 skiers are yelling and noisy, <laughs> and it reminds him of
0: Charlie. I ain't no fortunate son. No.
1: he's uh, maybe he's got PTSD.
0: Sure, of course we, he does. Uh, As we know now, everyone from Vietnam had PTSD.
1: And he complains to local authorities, and there is a noise ordinance, and uh, that's finally the thing that shuts down. Snow Valley is one broken vet. Um, Wow. But it wasn't going well anyway. After
0: how long? How long was the
1: run? Two to three days. (laughs) (laughs) Oklahoma had skiing for two to three days in the winter of 1971, and people still talk about it to this day. Uh, The...
0: uh, did he dismantle all of the the huddle houses and the and the rope toes? I mean, from the description of the concession stands and outhouses that can be knocked over by a single skier,
1: I, I think it was probably pretty flimsy anyway. Right? It, it was like the train cars of the, of the region. Um, today, if you go there, the you know the 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 brush and the trees have grown back on the hills. You can still see the flat area that was graded for the parking lot. But there's really almost no sign left of the three days of unhappy, painful <laughs> skiing.
0: Is there any record of how many people actually bought a lift ticket during the during the three day run? I would love to know yeah. how many people were there. Was it fifty? Was it five hundred? It
1: was enough to make enough noise. That we still recall. That it that it bothered this private. Oh, um, right. Right. But yes, but also enough that there's there are still some locals Who remember, you know, the summer they got to work at the popcorn stand (laughs) for three
0: short days. And that concludes Snow Valley, Oklahoma. Entry 1182.JB2419. Certificate number 17398 in the Omnibus. It also
1: hopefully concludes the Pokemon deal for a Delphox EX, a Grudon EX, and a an Evil
0: EX. Hayden, in the unlikely event that you grow up to be a normal adult, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram are archived at Omnibus Project. Hayden, if you want to know more about your friend Dylan's father, you can go to his Twitter account at Ken Jennings. And if you'd like to know more about me, a scary other adult you can go to at John Roderick you'll learn a lot and maybe it will help you grow maybe the wrong things Uh, also you can go to Instagram and see just how scary I am at John Roderick you can email us Hayden do not email us you know where Ken lives and I don't want to hear from you at theomnibusproject at gmail.com if you're on Facebook which as a young person I'm sure you're not certainly not there is no kick page for Omnibus. <laughs> I don't even think there is kick pages or are kick pages. But uh, Hayden, I would suggest that you tell your cops and robbers playing parents to go to Omnibus Futureling's Facebook page and hang out with other adults that like to play fun games.
1: You could take a TikTok break and, and, uh, and open a Facebook account, Hayden. It wouldn't kill you.
0: You should go around to all your friends and collect different things that you would like to give to uh, Ken's kids and send them to us at P.O. Box 55744 Shoreline, Washington 98155 including uh, actually I think you should mail these, uh, these Pokemans to us. Don't give them to Dylan. No, give them to us. We'll hold them all over Dylan's head. They go to Dil- they go to the same, uh, they go to different high schools now. So this oh. may
1: actually be the easiest way to do the deal. Yeah, Dylan. Is to mail them to good old P.O. Box 55744.
0: Dylan, you're going to have to come to me for these Pokemons because Hayden is going to send them to me.
1: And John's very tall and is going to kind of hold, try to hold them out of your reach That's as right. you jump and say, come on, guys. Come on,
0: this isn't funny, guys. He's taller than you, though, now.
1: He is. He is, uh, I measured him on his birthday and he is within a, a uh, quarter of an inch of six feet.
0: Wow, he's a big kid. Big kid. All those he still weighs meals. like
1: 138 though.
0: Uh, all uh, all teenagers who are listening to this show should pool your money and help support the program.
1: Go to your mom and dad's purse or closet or wallet.
0: Mm-hmm. Take out the little green rectangles, or use whatever bitcoins you're mining on your on your uh, iPads. And support the show at Patreon.com/OmnibusProject. There are there's bonus content there. There are other perks for being a donor to the show, in addition to feeling good about yourself or selves, and 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 that includes those of you who have multiple selves um, by supporting a thing that you love that is good, and apparently for hire.
1: Uh, Hayden, uh, you are. Younger than us, but our contemporary in a way in that our lifespans overlapped. We certainly hope that the catastrophe we fear may not come during your lifespan. But other listeners, we speak to you from a vantage point in your distant past, and we have no idea how long our civilization will survive. Hopefully, Dylan and Hayden grow up to honorable manhood. But if the worst comes soon, this recording, like all our recordings, may be our final word. But if providence allows, we hope to be back with you soon for another not-so-self-interested entry in the Omnibus.